Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. My name is Theo, and the most important question of the day, how are you all doing? It's been a little bit, took a little little break. Uh, last episode, I chopped it up with one of my good friends, Kevin Afokwa, host of his own podcast, the Wonder Wednesday podcast. We had a blast talking about how many things we had in common and all just a whole manner of things. So check that out when you get a chance. Some cosmetic news. I have a new podcast logo. Just ooh, got it. Got some new heat on. I just wanted to get a little rebrand action going, get a new look for the second year of the podcast. Shout out to my guy, Ryan Shadle, who I had on a previous episode. He hooked me up for real. I feel fresh. I feel motivated. And today I wanted to get into a topic that I wanted to pursue for a while now. And there is no better time than the present. So we're talking about superheroes. (laughs) Before we get into too much, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the COVID-19 crisis that's taking place in India. The cases and resulting deaths that are taking place on a daily basis are truly heartbreaking. There are a few fundraisers going around and reach out to those you know who may have friends or family affected by the situation. And I wish nothing but the best for their nation and those of Indian descent. And I I hope that things improve in the near future. As far as recommendations go, wanted to definitely put this out there. Last week was the five-year anniversary of when the album Views by Drake came out. Just just greatness, what can I say? I had a very nice 24-hour fire and desire marathon to help celebrate the occasion. Very pleased with how it turned out. Um, there are a ton of memories associated with that album, especially it came out, especially since it came out during my freshman year of college. And I associate nothing but positivity with freshman year, even though I was broke literally the entire time. <laughs> uh, more music. So in past epi- so in past episodes, I've recommended "Burn" by Philippa Sue off of Hamilton. So today, I'm here to recommend this song. It's called "First." burn and it's basically all of the elizas from the regional showings of hamilton singing a version of the song and it is so good so 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 good and now that i think about it is i think i might need to take a little a few more music like a a few more breaks for the music recommendation section because since i've been back these are i got a bunch of stuff that i listen to um Another recommendation, Acid Rain by Chance the Rapper. I've been feeling that again. Dream in Color by Corday. That's my guy, Corday. Love Me Nina. Love Me Nina slash Semi-Automatic by Wale. Got some, last night, got some new Isaiah Rashad, which was so good. It was really, really good. Lay with ya, that was really good. And then the new J. Cole release, release interlude. And if the interlude is that good, then man... We're, we're in for one. Jermaine? Cole? <laughs> um, I listened to Slime Language too. It was whatever. Like, Ski was good. Solid was good. Came and Saw was good. Superstar was horrible. <laughs> like, what, what was Future doing? And that beat was... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and I could do that, you know, but... Uh, it was whatever, and then Khaled Khaled or Khaled Khaled, uh, whatever you want, however you want to do it. Um, it was whatever, you know. It didn't have the same umph as a fat past few projects, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna scream all his ad libs, and we're gonna get a summer a few summer songs from him. We're we're gonna move on, you know. But yeah, pretty pretty complete music section this time, I would say. TV shows, you already know, you already know. Season finale of Invincible on Amazon Prime was last Friday. Oh my goodness 
gracious. If you have listened to my podcast and you still have not at least tried episode one, after I said to do so for like a month plus straight now, I don't know what you're doing. This show is insane. It's so good. It just got renewed for seasons two and three, and I'm so thankful. So thankful. Uh, wanted to pass along a recommendation. Uh, my girlfriend just watched this show called Shadow and Bone on Netflix, and she seemed to like it. Uh, so I'll, I'll pass that along to you all. Uh, <laughs> this is a little while back now. This was two weeks ago now. Um, wifey and I, we went to go see the Demon Slayer movie in person. For those who don't know, Demon Slayer is this fantastic anime that's on Crunchyroll, Hulu, and Netflix, so you got options. Uh, It it is very well written, incredibly beautiful, very violent, Uh, (laughs) but even though she and I both knew everything that was going to happen in the movie, because we waited for for so long that we just read the manga, it was incredible. Like, we, we both knew every single plot point of that movie, and I still felt all the emotions in the world. I am telling you here first, obviously watch Invincible, but if you want a true experience, if you're comfortable going back to movie theaters, take a week or just a week, even a weekend, watch Demon Slayer in, in Japanese, please, subtitles in English, dubs, what? Anyway, watch Demon Slayer. Then go see the movie. It's out in the U.S. Go see the movie. It was a beautiful experience. Also, want to add, Wifey and I got our second vaccines two weekends ago. So my immunity is going to hit. My 95% immunity is going to hit in the next 15 hours. Um, that second shot kicked my ass. <laughs> like we got them at 11 a.m. on Saturday, and I was good enough to get a workout in during the day. But from 11 p.m. Saturday to 6 p.m. Sunday, I was a useless human being. <laughs> I, I had insomnia, which never happens. I had chills, a headache, my whole body ached. But you know, I'm way better now. But Here's all I got to say. I never had COVID. My girlfriend and her parents did, but I was not built to handle that. No, not at all. Oh, and one last thing I want to add. I have cornrows. (laughs) It's it's weird. It's a very new experience for me. Uh, My hair is finally long enough for me to have cornrows. So therefore I have them. My mom was like, hey, do you want me to cornrow your hair? And I was like, sure you know what i mean and here we are (laughs) and i have cornrows now it's crazy it's only going to be for like five or six days but you know it's you got to try things every once in a while and i did here we are it's kind of fun it's not going to last long but it's cool you know so today today we are talking about superheroes the motivation to do it this week was prompted by the fact that yes my favorite show just ended but i'm also watching my hero academia which is coming out every week as well america loves superheroes i love superheroes so i've thought about this topic a lot in general but the premise of today's podcast is the following question do superheroes cause more problems than they solve Do superheroes cause more problems than they solve? And even further, you could ask, is a superhero's primary job to fix the problems that they themselves create? As a preface, if you ask me, Theo, in any fictional universe, any world, what job would you most want to have? I have the best idea ever. I would own an insurance company in either New York City for Marvel or Gotham for DC. You're just printing money at that point. It's also noted that Central City, where the Flash lives, and Metropolis, where you know Superman is, are all really close to Gotham. So I have a really good business radius going for myself. 
collateral damage in these comics, these shows, these movies, it's almost like it's like background noise. Like, yeah, that building got knocked over, but Superman saved the day. You know what I mean? And that's nothing but cash flow for me. So, like I've said before, America loves superheroes. You got your Avengers, X-Men, Justice League, Teen Titans, Defenders, Green Arrow, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Globe from Invincible, The Seven from The Boys, and it just keeps on going, right? I love superheroes. My two favorite all-time are Batman and Black Panther. I was Black Panther for Halloween in 2017 before the movie came out, and Wifey was Storm, so of course, you know, we had to <laughs> had to do it to him. Um, I've seen every MCU movie. I still, to this day, believe that Captain America Winter Soldier is at least a top two MCU movie. I personally believe that the Captain America line of movies has zero misses. The first one was solid. The second one was Winter Soldier, like I just said. Then it was Civil War, which gave us Black Panther and our favorite and our friendly neighborhood five foot eight British boy. You know, so it's just greatness, consistent greatness. So the reason why I like Batman so much has really little to do with him, but literally everyone around him. The villains are fascinating. Alfred is great. The arc where he has a son with Talia from the League of Assassins is phenomenal. Like, his son Damian Wayne, that's my favorite character in all of DC, literally. It's just that Damian's not really a superhero, so I'll just count as Batman. And if you just roll up to someone and be like, hey, Theo, who's your favorite superhero? And I say Damian Wayne, you're like, who? So, first of all, gotta say Batman. But Damian's my favorite. Um, If you ask me, I... I would say I both know more about and am a bigger fan of DC than I am of Marvel. Still, I understand that the Marvel live action movies are incredible and the DC live action movies are a two pack of ass. I get it. I I also get that, hey, WandaVision is sensationally good. I understand the Marvel live-action movies that have been on top of the world and literally Wonder Woman 1984 just happened. I understand, right? I've I've heard I've heard great things about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Haven't seen it yet, but I plan to watch it all by the time I film another episode. But I'm telling you, DC is still it. There, DC is like that. It's still amazing. If I had to list my favorite video games ever. The Batman Arkham series would li- would make that list, no doubt. Arkham Asylum was great. Arkham City was perfect. And Arkham Knight was a little messy, but I loved it. And also, the Lego Batman games are classics. I know I've been giving out a ton of recommendations these days. But if you want to understand why I like DC so much... Try out HBO Max and look up, like on Wikipedia, the DC animated movie universe. You will have a blast. Just trust. It technically starts with Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. These are all animated movies. But I started with Justice League War and I did not look back. And it is so good. All of these movies are so good. Like, Batman sounds amazing. Green Lantern's hilarious and all that. Just trust me. If you watched, like, the first, like, Justice League, like, the not Snyder Cut, and Batman versus Superman, and you felt, and you left feeling a little disappointed, these will correct the path for you. The best superhero movie that I have ever seen in my entire life is called... Batman The Dark Knight Returns. It's a two-part movie, and it's animated, and it's literal perfection. I understand that The Dark Knight, the live-action one with Heath Ledger, you know, Christian Bale, it's in in my top three movies all time when I'm talking to people on a casual basis. But if you ask me truly, 
The Dark Knight Returns, the animated movie, is literally the greatest movie I have ever seen. The animated movies, if you were to watch them back, lay down the blueprint for the live action movies that come out. Like if you see, if you've seen Batman versus Superman, like the live action one, that storyline came from The Dark Knight Returns. The movie I'm saying is the best movie I've ever seen. That storyline came from that animated movie, and they did it even better. Well, obviously, they did it flawlessly in the animated movie. Half the plot line to the Joker movie, like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that came out, was based on The Dark Knight Returns. I'm dead serious. That one animated movie made two live-action movies. It was that influential. It was that good. You need to see it. Just saying. The Justice League live-action movies tried to mimic Justice League War, the animated movie that came out a few years prior. All these animated movies came out before the live-action ones. Just trust me. I, I know I'm going on and on. Just trust me. DC animated movies are so, so, so good. I really, really mean it. And just to clarify... My top three movies of all time, if you were to randomly ask me no deeper context, I would say the live action Dark Knight, The Social Network, and Into the Spider-Verse. Those are my three favorite movies. That's how much I like superheroes. Like, my th two of my three favorite movies are still superhero movies. But if you ask me for real, for real, if you've listened to this and you're now fully curious, The Dark Knight Returns is the best movie that I have ever seen. Period. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but enough of me defending DC. Let's get into the superhero problem by talking about my problematic favorite DC hero, Batman. So, the opening question in the Batman section. Is Batman a superhero? I would presume to say most people would say no. He's rich, elite hand-to-hand -hand combat, super surveillance technology, all the gadgets in the world, super detective skills, and white privilege. But he doesn't do the, the typical superhero stuff. If you shot, like literally shot, Br Bruce Wayne, point blank, he'd probably die. If you took his toys away, how fast could he get around? He can't fly, run fast, none of that. So then we have to ask, what makes you a superhero? Is it defeating villains? Is it having powers? Because we all flame Natasha, aka Black Widow, for basically just doing gymnastics with a handgun. But then we can go even further. Do any of the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy count as superheroes? Like, Gamora, she's just a, a green Natasha. Drax is big. Mantis is Mantis. Rocket is a talking raccoon, yes, but he just has guns. Peter's a simp who couldn't complete the mission because Gamora died. At the end of Guardians 2, he kind of has powers, so that really just leaves Groot. Even, even Captain America is really just the greatest ultimate Frisbee player of all time. Yeah, he's definitely got the hand-eye coordination down and punches that'll send you halfway to France. But I And I agree. So he does have the super strength he gathered from the steroids. But did those steroids then make him the superhero? Because if we go with that, then that's the line. Super strength, some gymnastics... And a vibranium frisbee is what makes you a superhero. That's the line, bare minimum, right? So back to powerless yet very rich Bruce. First and foremost, we can answer the question I posed earlier. Do superheroes cause more problems than they solve? For Bruce Wayne, the answer is a resounding yes. Think of it this way. The number one thing so many of the random thugs and villains 
have in common is poverty. Who's the richest man in Gotham? Who's the one whose father ran a hospital system that pushed drugs onto the streets? Whose family funds the mental facility they send the most insane people to? Whose technology created a consistent surveillance state that anyone who does anything wrong at any given point in time can get arrested for or seven punch comboed into submission every single time? Yep, it's Bruce Wayne. Think of it this way. I'm probably getting a little obscure here, but bear with me. The villains Batman are so acutely aware of. They're insane, yeah, but they're also low income. He always, always has a tough time or has a blind spot with the rich people. Why? Because he's figured they're too rich to do crime. I don't need to watch them like that. I don't need to monitor that monitor them so meticulously. But that dude over there trying to sell an eighth, you know what I'm saying? Nah, I got to beat him up every single time. There's no reason to monitor like the people in all of the elite levels of the stratosphere. And I mean, think of it that way, right? Harvey Dent was already sus as hell pre-Two-Face. But, but Bruce funded his campaign, so he turned a blind eye. The, the Court of Owls gives Bruce problems. Why? Because they're all rich. It's literally made up of the most elite families in all of Gotham. And he gets pushed the limit all the time. But those dudes over in Bloodhaven... We're literally just like trying to get a fix. Nah, he has to literally pummel them to death. And no, I did not make Bloodhaven up. It's a real place in Gotham, technically. Technically. But no, uh, even though all these people are poor and they're trying to make their own ends meet, I won't use my multi-billionaire net worth to improve the city by making public programs or opening the Wayne Hospital system to anyone who needs it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to use it on heat-seeking batarangs and a new speaker system in the Batmobile. That's Batman. One last thing to, to close on about Batman that made me laugh on Twitter a while ago someone posed the question what's a normal person problem that would completely stop a superhero from working and someone quoted it and said the stock market crashing for Bruce Wade and I I died (laughs) it was just way too funny but it's true and Bruce Wayne is a certified scumbag but I still very much enjoy all of his stories all of all of the video games that come out, and most specifically, his son. So that's Batman. Let's talk about Superman. This is where the superhero topic gets really fun. So I have to ask a question, prompted by this this to- this kind of topic that came up in Invincible. Would you notice what a superhero looks like if they walked right in front of you? Clark Kent's disguise is literally awful. Superman is supposed to be 6'3". There is not ever, 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 never, ever a 6'3", built-ass white dude who's just casually doing journalism And nobody would ever guess that he's Superman. That dude is huge. And nobody bothers to ask, oh, so do you work out? Do you play for the Metropolis Patriots or whatever fictional football team they got going on over there? At least Bruce is so unassuming because he's six foot one and owns the most important company in the city that you'd be like, yeah, he's just too busy with his job to be hitting goons with a three piece extra crispy in a bat suit every night. But a reporter, Clark Kent's a reporter. He can literally go places all over the city slash world to do work. Yeah, that dude's fishy. He is literally one super sneeze away from obliterating 
everyone in a mile radius of him. But no, this dude built ass in a in a <laughs> in some glasses and a polo shirt every day just confounds these people. Like, where does Superman come from? Uh, you just saw him at Starbucks last Wednesday. So, my first ever discussion into the superhero ramification genre that sprouted this this specific podcast was the concept called the Ubermensch. Ubermensch. Um, this was proposed by the philosopher, I'm going to get this wrong, Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche? It's Nietzsche. There we go. Friedrich Nietzsche. Or Friedrich Nietzsche? Either way. N-I-E-T-Z-C-T-Z-S-C-H-E. So, N-I-E-T-Z-S-C-H-E. That dude. This was his uh, proposition to describe a human being that surpasses all other humans and sets the boundaries for humans to strive for. This supreme being would also take the role of a deity or god to the people who witness it. The recurring concept has been explored in other forms of media, but in the movie The Death of Superman, it's an animated movie, In the movie The Death of Superman, it shows that if a Superman, aka the one with the cape, were to exist, people would become reliant on this ubermensch to save them from everything. I won't spoil what happens for all one of you who will actually take my recommendations to watch the DC animated movies. But there is a scene where there's this guy who is clearly going to die, clearly, and he's not freaking out about it at all because he keeps saying to himself, there's nothing to be afraid of. Superman is going to come save me. And then it never happens. It's wild, but with an uh, an existent being like that, it's hard to say that that wouldn't be the case if you know that if you scream out superman help and he can hear that what's stopping anyone from asking for help at any time doing reckless things because there's a chance they'll be saved from impending doom and that's the unintended consequence of having a superman around Another thing about a superhero or just superhumans in general, I want to revisit something we brought up earlier. Would a human being that is ever so slightly faster than Usain Bolt swims ever so slightly faster than Michael Phelps is a little bit stronger than the world's strongest person. All those things. If, they, if all those things were wrapped up into the same human being. Would they be a superhuman? Like if they were a little bit faster in the pool than Michael Phelps, a little bit faster on land than Usain Bolt, and could deadlift like five pounds more than whatever the heaviest thing is. All of that was wrapped into the same human being. Would they be a superhuman? I would assume that would be a yes, but I'll leave it open-ended for you all to think about that. Last Superman thing. The boys on Amazon Prime really hashed this out. And of course, you know, Invincible. (laughs) What would life turn into if the strongest, most powerful person on Earth wasn't a good person? Like if Superman was evil. A naturally evil person showed up to Earth tomorrow. What would we do? Nothing, right? We couldn't do anything. And that's why I think I really like, you know, when the shows I've been recommending, you know, especially like the boys covered it first. And now here we are with Invincible. And, you know, oof. Like, if it, it, 
I can't wait till at least enough people who listen to this have watched Invincible and like, or at least like I can confirm that you, some of you have, so I can literally just talk all about the season finale. Cause wow, just wow. It, anyway, um, let's talk about Tony Stark, AKA Iron Man, Iron Man. Let's revisit the initial question. Do superheroes create more problems than they solve? Well, this is an unbelievably resounding yes from Tony. <laughs> from his father, from him to his father, is a line of problematic decisions. Let's not forget how the first Iron Man movie started. Stark Industries is a weapons manufacturer. Supplying weapons for war is never a great start for your overall overall world benefit scorecard. Yes, he rectifies it by the end of the movie by using all the tech he has to make the suit, but he's not off to the best start. Now, the nuke itself didn't explode, but in WandaVision, when they showed us Wanda's family and hometown just getting bodied, that was all Stark Industries tech. Tony is solely responsible for Ultron, so that adds into all those patrol suits he made, all the damage in Sokovia and all that. By proxy, we then have to say that Tony slash the overall plot, aka the entire MCU structure as we know it, is responsible for Vision, aka Vishon, aka Division, uh, to which Thanos plucked that man's forehead clean off and then half the planet went away. Obviously, Tony's plan for Thanos actually went really well, and then Star-Lord turned into the biggest simp in modern cinematic history when he threw the fate of the world away for his girl. But then he gets the last laugh against Thanos in Endgame, so I would say overall, Tony still has way more blood on his hands than hero status saved. Let's touch on Spider-Man, aka Spoderman. I love Spider-Man. He's not my favorite Marvel hero, but he's definitely top three. Like Black Panther 1 and then Wolverine and Spidey top out the top three. So Spider-Man is definitely a superhero in terms of ability standpoint. And he's easily the most humanly relatable out of all the popular ones, right? Captain America does not have normal person problems. Superman, Batman, Iron Man do not have normal person problems. But depending on what version of Peter or Miles we're referencing, he either has normal high school problems or normal low-income person with a terrible boss problems. Here's what I'll definitively say outright. Spider-Man very rarely creates the problems he's dealing with. Some of them be some of the villains become Spider-Man obsessed because he stops them once or twice, but he doesn't have the overall impact on the economy and like the social ecosystem of New York City, like as Peter Parker, as a Tony Stark does or a Bruce Wayne does on Gotham. Spidey literally just goes to school or work then stops a robbery, and then boom, there's a giant explosion, and then he goes to take care of it. Now, the Uncle Ben situation does indeed suck, but that had nothing to do with him being Spider-Man. Batman's parents dying had literally everything to do with them because they're the richest family in Gotham, <laughs> and they exploit poor people. You could argue Green Goblin in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies is a him problem, but in the same notion, that dude was just crazy. <laughs> same thing with Doc Ock. I mean, these dudes are just crazy. So Spider-Man gets a passing grade in this category for sure. Another just off the off the dome about Spider-Man. I was just thinking about this, right? You have a Spider-Man that's going through so many different kinds of problems when you look at the Tobey Maguire ones, then the the Andrew Garfield ones, then the like the Tom the Tommy the Tommy Holley uh, <laughs> Spider-Man ones, right? Like in 
in like the Tobey Maguire case, that is a what post college grad grad age, like he's in his twenties, early twenties, and he's like like post dot com bubble in New York City. This is post nine eleven too. The superhero landscape wasn't a thing back then. Like Marvel had just sold the rights to Spider-Man and the X-Men and everyone over to Sony and Fox because Marvel wasn't making any money off of their superheroes. So that's why it was such a big deal when like like Sony and Marvel just finally started getting along for Spider-Man because they literally sold the rights to Spider-Man away. Um, so it, it was weird. Because in 2004, first of all, those are really good movies. But you can see it's a different economic situation. It's a different social situation in New York at that time. He's out of school. His primary interactions aren't really with people his age, you know. Uh, so it creates a different sense of relatability. Because some people relate to the Tobey Maguire one more. But I relate to the to the Tommy Holley uh, one more simply because, like, one, I think he's a better Peter Parker anyway, and, I, and he's a really cool Spider-Man. But I genuinely believe, like, it's more relatable if you told me Spider-Man's in school than Spider-Man's at work. Because I, in 2004 is when that came out, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. That was, like, 2004. I, I was seven years old. I don't relate to working then. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's 2002. So, I mean, I was five. I was five years old in 2002. How do I relate to, like, the hustle and bustle of life? I don't. I, I, I don't yet. I mean, I didn't then. And then by the time Mr. Holland was introduced, I was actually still in college. So I could relate to that at least a little bit more, you know? Um, Same notion. The Spider-Man, like, the the new MCU Spoderman arcs and things like that are so different because you're in a superhero world. Like that's the that's the backdrop for NYC at this stage. Like Avengers Tower is in the city he lives in. Back then the Avengers were nothing. They they did not exist. Iron Man didn't come out wasn't even thought of by the time they started filming Spider-Man 1 in 2000 and then it came out in 2002, right? So it's a whole new, it's a whole different dynamic. It's a whole new situation that they introduced. Um, Michael Keaton, when he played uh, Vulture, the reason why he was so like angry and all that was because the Avengers were directly responsible for removing his job, which kind of creates a new dynamic because in 2002, when the movie came out, you're looking at j- just the economic forces and the social situation of the time itself, when it came out, dictated how you felt watching the movie. Like in 2002, if you're like, if you have the wherewithal, you know how the economy was doing back then, literally post 9-11 and around that time. But in 2018 was, I think that's when they came out. Spider-Man Homecoming was 2018 or 19. We're gonna look it up literally right now. Spider-Man Homecoming, 2017. So in 2017, I mean, you have now seen, this is your third version of Spider-Man. If you're my age, this is your third Spider-Man. This is post all the Dark Knight movies. This is like, you've seen multiple Avengers films, you know, like this is all that, you know what I mean? And it's so funny because you get a new, you get a new sense of belonging for Peter He's like, yeah, I'm a fan of Tony Stark, and we, the what, like the the viewers of the movie are like, we are fans of Tony Stark too, you know. So I think they they both do a really good job. I, I mean, an, the Andrew Garfield movies weren't bad or anything, but I think that they both signify different eras because they intru- they include the the outside forces of New York City and all that going on in the moment really well in both versions of the movie so that's my spider-man spiel um 
as a funny note, <laughs> I thought about this a while ago. You know, certain certain heroes have limitations. Like Batman without all the toys, he's just a dude. He's, he's, he's just a dude who can fight. Superman has kryptonite, all that. But Spider-Man would be useless in Kansas. <laughs> like, if you asked me how to game plan against Spider-Man, I would tell you to get as far away from a major city as possible. Like, like, like for example, the end of Far From Home, that happened in London, right? So he still had all the infrastructure to be able to do stuff. But I'm liking my odds a lot, a lot more if I can square up with this dude 30 miles outside of Des Moines, Iowa. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just, just you and me in some field. I, I like my chances a lot better, you know? Um, Last few things, just to kind of, you know, briefly talk about them while we're on the roll. Marvel, Marvel does something that's really good, and they do it really consistently. Just discussing ideological differences between characters who have the same idea. So, we're going to talk about the X-Men for a little bit. So, Stanley, R.I.P. Stanley, the GOAT, he created the X-Men based off of Malcolm X for, like, you know, Malcolm X purposes, and MLK. MLK is supposed to be Professor, like the Professor, and Magneto is Malcolm X, right? And they're the X, and it's the X-Men. And you can see how that, how they tie in, because if you ask them fundamentally, what do you want? You want mutants to be treated equally. You want the respect for them, stop for mutants to have to stop living in fear, stop the persecution of mutants, all that. And then you ask them, how are you going to achieve that? And that's where the differences start coming in. And it's just like, you know, how more militant than how more how Malcolm X was more militant than MLK was. So is Magneto. And of course, when you do that, that you automatically get the villain, quote unquote, you get the villain aspect because now you're hurting normal people. So that makes you a bad person. But if you look at it, they can they carry this all the way to Black Panther. And I think that's what's kind of like a little disappointing about why they killed Killmonger. Like everything he said was right. Every single thing he said was literally facts, but the things he did weren't necessarily good, but the things he said were good. Like, why aren't we sharing this with people in America and other places? Like if you're looking at it in a, on a spectrum, right? T'Challa's dad, T'Chaka, he was on the far, he was on like the exact opposite end of Killmonger. T'Chaka was like, no, we're going to keep everything for ourselves. We, you, to uh, never let Wakanda be discovered. We will never go to war for any reason. So we will never share anything. No, no one will ever find us, right? Killmonger's like, we just, like, there are people that look like you that are probably, that are descendants of Wakanda or, you know, just black people in general that are not being helped even though you have all the resources in the world, you have everything. You won't help these people. You should help these people. And when you take that, when you juxtapose you should help versus we shouldn't help, you're looking at abundance versus selfishness. But then the only reason why Killmonger ended up being a bad person was because T'Chaka, his dad, was pacifist and... Killmonger was militant, so he was, you know, willing to hurt people to satisfy his cause, right? But I thought, obviously, like, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, the GOAT, right? I thought that what you could have done was made it another Malcolm, another Magneto and Professor Xavier situation. Like, you could have let Killmonger live and we could have seen the ramifications of how long this lasts. Like, how long of a, like, a two empires kind of mindset can they run with? I thought that would have been a really good idea. 
I thought that would have been a sensational idea. But they didn't. It was a really pretty movie. It was, you know, it was good. Nice representation. I was hype as hell. I saw it like two or three times. Uh, I remember, I, I mean, obviously I went as, you know, Black Panther for Halloween. But I just remember being so hyped when I saw him in the Civil War trailer. I was like, oh my god, is that the, is that the cat? Um, <laughs> and then uh, you just had to be there. That, the opening show, like the opening showings for Black Panther in the movie theaters were crazy it was like a it was like a holiday like it was so crazy there was like the there's like that classroom of kids with a dude like billy bouncing on the chair you know what i'm saying like it was it was so cool um and it came out during black history month because you know it had to it was just amazing um but i i kind of wish that they could have strung it out a little bit more but i i mean obviously ryan coogler i'm gonna trust him I'm going to trust him with all the decisions he makes. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to fumble it. But uh, I, those were my thoughts on that. Uh, back to the... On Black Panther specifically. Let me get back to... Let me get back to the X-Men because I just kind of like skimmed it. The X-Men went from amazing... Like X1 is good. X2 is really good. And X3 was what on earth are you doing? And then... The thing about X-Men is that I don't know what happened. They were off to such a really good start, but they did the weirdest thing. They they fell in love with Jennifer Lawrence, but she wasn't playing a character that would call for that. <laughs> like, tr- trust, trust. Michael Fat. Oh, Fassbender. Oh man, that man put up put up a, a hundred point game. He was going crazy. I was like, "What?" Fastbender in that opening scene and all the and basically every movie he was in as Magneto was phenomenal. Like when he was out, I don't, I forget the name of the country he was in, but when it was him in that bar and he was trying to get information out of the guy, so he like pulled the tooth out of his mouth. That was crazy. That scene of him hoisting the stadium that was crazy um what else what else what else what else with him as a kid pulling the when he was getting separated from his mom pulling the gate back fastbender ooh i mean that was baby fast that was like the kid magneto but just he plays a really good magneto add add that um what else what else what else what else um First class, X Men First Class. Why do they do? Why do they do the black dude like that? If the point is he can adapt to anything, he consumes, touches, or whatever. Why did he die then? Say no to racism. That's all I got to say. So let's add some more. Why? Okay. So I understand First Class. You know, you're resetting because X Three was terrible. You're resetting, and I get it. Like, I, like I really do get it. Because you have to introduce a new generation of people to it, right? So, you know, they, they this is Jennifer Lawrence straight out of Hunger Games. And she's on top of the world. Put her in any movie. Silver Linings, whatever you want to do. She's in it, right? I get it. But what was the decision making? Uh, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Apocalypse was terrible. Days of Future Past was amazing. And it was because they shifted everything back to Hugh Jackman again. Like, if you're if you're looking at like the Hugh Jackman lineage here, Wolverine, the the Wolverine, like the movie that's just him, it was you know, but he was cool, right? And then him in Days of Future Past, oh, that's a that's an all-time performance. And then Logan was oof. Logan was f- so good, right? But Days of Future Past was the best. That was that was up there with X two. It might be better than X two. Like I was like, how can they ever mess this up if they're getting Apocalypse involved? You want to know how they messed it up? Because they wanted Jennifer Lawrence and Sophie Turner to literally run the show. That's not how you do things. You make the sh- you make the movie, and then the person go like the person plays a role. You don't get the person for a character 
and be like you just freestyle this it doesn't work that often especially if you're talking about like comic books it's very rare right you can you can get Hugh Jackman to do as Hugh Jackman and he's he's Hall of Fame right Robert Downey Jr. Jr. No, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, who could be better who could be better as Iron Man don't know but it he still had to be Iron Man right Sophie Turner was not out Dark Phoenix. He, she was not, she was not Westerosing her way through Dark Phoenix. Okay, that move. Mystique's never been that big of a deal, but they were like Jennifer Lawrence will be though, and I'm like, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. That's not how this is supposed to work. And they and they just mm. Apocalypse was an ugly, ugly ending. The last minute, like, the first, like, two hours were taking, like, two hours. That last 30 minutes took, like, two years. I'm like, bro, what what are you even doing here? I was just like, come on. Quicksilver was very, very good. Should have been more about him. And then he showed up in WandaVision, and that mess, that, that threw me for a loop. But it should have been more about him. Because why? Because he showed up, and he was great. Why on earth was it so much about damn Sophie Turner and Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> like, come on now. Come on now. James McAvoy was good. As the professor. He was good. You know what I mean? But, it, they, but like, the movie, it was never supposed to be that much about the professor and and Mystique specifically. I, I could take more Fassbender. I'd be down for that. More Hugh Jackman, more Fastbender. Give me some Gambit. Give me some Cyclops. And, you know, we're, we're looking really well-rounded. They're like, nope. Looks like Sophie Turner is available. Time to throw the entire budget at her. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's not that she's bad at acting. It's just Dark Phoenix, you already messed it up. You already messed it up. You don't want to mess it up again. And look what they did. When's the next X-Men movie coming out? Who cares? Dark Phoenix was literally a two-pack of ass. And they killed Jennifer Lawrence in it anyway. So I'm just like, <sighs> whatever, whatever. X-Men, you, you you had the bag and then you fumbled it. Just fumbled it. Uh, but those, that, those are my thoughts on superheroes, guys. And I, I love superheroes so much. And I need Invincible to come back out expeditiously. Please, please. I'm going to watch some My Hero maybe maybe see what i'm what what this falcon winter soldier is about you know what i mean yada you know what i'm saying but thank you for tuning in this was a blast i thoroughly enjoyed myself um new episode am i am i do i have an episode for next week i don't know you'll see me when you see me you know what i'm saying but hey stay safe out here please wear a mask uh please stay hydrated it's getting warm outside go outside touch some grass um stay safe Tell, tell someone you love them. You know what I mean? Uh, check on your family members. Check on your friends. Uh, prayers up for India. Please reach out to anyone that you may know who may be affected. And, hey, that's all I got to say this time. It was a pleasure hopping back on. Uh, I'll get some rest. You guys get some rest. And I'll see you all next time.